0: mister beautiful. She careers up to me. She Ah, Welcome back to Herd Tell. I'm thrilled about this one because it's been a minute since I've gotten to talk to her, although she's been a friend for a long time. Uh, She's the Vice President of Communications for the John Locke Foundation, but she's also a writer in her own right, published all over the place. Brooke Medina, how are you, my friend?
1: Hey, I am so glad to be on here, and thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we haven't got to actually do a podcast, and I went and looked. I was curious. It's been almost a year and a half since we did a podcast together. Wow, far um, too long. Far, far too long. Which is uh,
1: why this one's going to be five hours. Did you tell your listeners that yet? <laughs> we're sure making up for lost time.
0: Poor TK, our radio producer, just fainted because he's going <laughs> to think I'm going to blow my total runtime. All right. Uh, you were writing over at World. That's uh, wng.org.com, uh, World News. Uh, there's. Stop me if you heard this one before. There's a bad bill floating around out there. Uh, this particular one's called the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. Well, that sounds good. How can anybody be against... Innovation and Choice Online. But as we have learned with these kind of machinations, the title uh, does not fully give you the sense of what's actually going on here, does it?
1: Not at all. It's such a misnomer. And I mean, I've got to give it to Congress and the, these senators—they're marketing people or something. They're—they're they're good at what they do, right? They can—they can, they can uh, cloak these bills that are really pretty darn nefarious in some fanciful language and hope the American people can stomach it. But this particular bill is anything other than innovative or choice-centric. Actually, it does the exact opposite, which I just—it boggles my mind that. Um, that they could actually advocate for this bill with a straight face because it limits consumer choices. And I know we'll get into some of the mechanics of how it does that, Um, but it also stifles innovation.
0: Now, I'm one of those gluttons for punishment that you did the one thing I always want writers to do. You actually linked to the text of the bill itself, which not enough people do. So thank you for that. So I went and read this thing. And the first thing that jumped out at me was the masthead on this because all bills at the top, they say in the Senate or in the House, if they come out of the House, and they have the sponsors. And I was looking at the sponsor list on this bill, and it really jumped out at me because the head, the big ticket items on there was uh, Amy Klobuchar and uh, Chuck Grassley, res- senators, respectively. But look at the other names on here it's Dick Durbin, Lindsey Graham, Blumenthal, uh, Kennedy from Louisiana, Cory Booker, Loomis, Harano, Warner, Holly, Dane these are people that would not go in a room together, but somehow they wound up on this bill together. Did that not strike you right off the top that this seems like an odd mix of people sponsoring this bill?
1: On its face, it looks like that. If you were thinking in terms of, I would say the typical political paradigm of D's and R's Um, this though, if you look at it through more of an ideological paradigm between limited government folks and populists, You can see that this makes a lot more sense when you were looking at it through a lens of, okay, well, which members of Congress in the Senate in particular, irrespective of their uh, political affiliation, appeal to that more populist sentiment in the United States that we've uh, been grappling with for several years now. And in that case, of course, it's no surprise then to see a Warren and a Hawley on this list of senators that have endorsed it.
0: Yeah, because Holly and, you know, he's kind of been Mr. Populous, uh, among Mm -hmm. other issues that he's had lately. But then you have some kind of traditional center left kind of liberal senators on there with him. This may be part of a bigger conversation for for later. But what is it about the populist right where they're finding some common cause with big government in things like regulating the Internet, regulating commerce? And frankly, let's just call it what it is, regulating things they don't like.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's certainly dangerous because it stands to really impede innovation. Uh, But beyond that, the policy is about people. And the fact that Congress is playing so fast and loose with private property rights and people's ability to engage in just daily commercial activities uh, is problematic. But um, I think undergirding this is uh, like I've mentioned this populist sentiment but behind that populist sentiment is I would say a, a belief that technocrats and central um, centralized authorities can make decisions on behalf of a large, group of people. Um, so really what it is at its root, I would say, is in overconfidence and the ability of legislation to handle a market economy. Um, it's kind of like Keynesian, Keynesianism 2.0.
0: Yeah. And you talked about when you wrote about this at World uh, WNG.org is where this piece can be found. We're talking to Brooke Medina. Um, right off the bat, you jumped on this with a quote from uh, Senator Grassley's own press people. Is saying, quote, if we make carve outs for all the pro consumer features, then the bill will be useless. Uh, why did that get out of his mouth? Because that sure <laughs> seems like it gave the game away here, didn't it?
1: I wonder what sort of like conversation happened in Senator Grassley's office after that story broke. That was uh, through Washington Examiner reporting that I found that. Um, and A, I mean, the fact that they actually said that quiet part out loud is uh, abhorrent if you are a communications person in their office and good luck at doing crisis comms on something like that. But secondly, um, what this reveals is, I would say, a fundamental misuse of antitrust law. And so what they're saying right there is because this bill has many features that will actually attack consumers or harm consumers. Let's not actually, you know, focus on that element of the bill, but really when you're thinking about antitrust law in general here in the United States, ever since uh, judge Bork kind of defined it for us in the late 20th century um, antitrust law is only to be utilized if it protects or in. If it hurts consumers. So this particular bill, I mean, they're talking about it being pro or that if we were to remove the pro consumer elements of it, that it would uh, there would be really nothing to the bill. And I think that really reveals the heart behind this bill. It's not a consumer centric piece of legislation that was enacted to protect the American people whose paychecks, for example, are being ravaged by inflation at the moment. The central point of this bill is to basically stick it to companies that Senator Klobuchar and Grassley and those who have sponsored it don't like. It's also to look as if they are doing something about big tech, which is funny because this has nothing to do with censorship. So they know, though, that when voters hear about this bill and they, you know, they they use these magic words of, you know, punishing big tech, like Senator Hawley li- loves to rail on, that it will just get people to endorse it without actually understanding what's in it. But it does nothing to address the censorship concerns on the right um, or the, the sort of platforming issues that many on the left have claimed Um, And so it's just the whole bill is is a charade of um, and and it's misleading to the voters.
0: Now, you're a comms expert, so I'm going to I'm going to take it to you this way. You know, as a comms person, if you're pitching a story, you want to have a good guy and a bad guy. And then therefore, whatever the good guy is going is justified because those are bad people over there. And we're the good guys. Well, there seems to be an element to this particular bill, the way it's written and you touch on it in your piece because and i'll just quote it to you here it says in this current form the legislation narrowly targets amazon apple google microsoft and meta that's facebook's new itineration due to their market share but the principle behind the proposal is akin to federal regulation regulators walking the aisle of costco your favorite place on god's earth and pulling each kirkland brand product from the shelves and placing it further back so that consumers would see the price name brand products first they're throwing big names out here But what they're really talking about, that's not real. There's some sleigh of hand going on here, isn't it? And they're just kind of putting those big names up front.
1: Yeah, it's it's smoke and mirrors to be sure. And so, what this does is it looks as if they are trying to punish big tech for allegedly misbehaving, what in whatever form like that particular party is aggrieved about. Um, But really, what it does is it's going to hurt small businesses and small nonprofits, such as my organization that I work at, who utilize the digital infrastructure from Google and Meta to be able to reach large audiences. And and it's also going to hurt everyday American consumers, because this would essentially mean that Amazon Prime, Amazon Basics, like these sorts of things, Cannot be put forth before the consumer um, as a as a good alternative to that pricier your product they were about to add to their cart, and so um, this is the the central grievance that Cong- these uh, senators are alleging. Um, they are trying to rectify, but a, why is it any of their business that that companies you know decide to prioritize their generic products, and b. How is that defensible? I mean, are they going to go into CVS pharmacy next and demand that the, the off-brand CVS brand ibuprofen be moved to the back so that the more expensive Motrin can be purchased first?
0: Yeah, we're talking to Brooke Medina. Uh, we're going to continue to break down the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. Specifically, she writes about even though this is a piece of legislation, the result, if it stood as it is, is going to create a mess in the court system. We'll get into that. Also talk a little bit about the rest of the things she has going on. Uh, Brooke Medina, more with her on her tell right after this. Uh, welcome back to HerTel. We're continuing to talk to Brooke Medina. She's got a piece out at World News, uh, WNG.org, about this new American Innovation and Choice Online Act. Okay, so normally with this legislation, we talk about the devil being in the details. Uh, one of the reasons at Ordinary Times and other places, we always post the source documents. I already told you I appreciate you linking to the actual legislation. I wish all news items and opinion pieces did that. You should, looking at y'all that don't do that. But this kind of legislation actually has the opposite problem because it has a lot of buzzwords. It has a lot of Google, Microsoft bad. There's a lot of vague language when you actually get into the legalities of this. And that has real world consequences if you pass vague language legislation, don't you? Indeed,
1: that's the case. And so it would essentially create the conditions wherein the courts have to adjudicate and decide what this language is supposed to mean. So. Um, I encourage listeners to go ahead and take a look at the bill online. Um, you can f- find it where Andrew mentioned at wng.org, where um, where I where I link to it. But also just going to the 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 Senate's website. But yeah, really, at the end of the day, what this bill would ultimately do is just um, because of the vagueness of the language, there will be inevitable lawsuits, and then. The judiciary is going to be responsible for figuring out, Okay, well, what are the web metrics on this particular product that Amazon Basics, maybe it's a three pack men's white T-shirt, for example, and Fruit of the Loom is going to sue now because it was uh, it was prioritized in Amazon's algorithm so as to be presented before the Fruit of the Loom or Hanes brand. And so now the courts are going to decide that. Do we really think that they are competent or equipped or called to make such adjudications related to digital infrastructure? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, and if you've been following the Roberts court the last few years, a lot of the big-ticket, big-name, high-pushed decisions they've made They've had to write in there over and over again. This is the purview of the legislative branch. The legislative branch needs to fix this issue after issue. They keep saying that. But when you write, uh, you call this reactionary uh, legislation, Mm short-sighted legislation. I think you're correct on both points. When you write bad legislation, it is inevitable that it's going to wind up in the court system. And then it's out of the hands of the elected representatives of the people. And it's in the hands of the judges who I understand they go through confirmation processes, but there's no direct electoral result to what they do. It's not too much of an exaggeration to say, this is a good example of how our system is so out of balance right now with the judiciary having, we're getting ready to do another Supreme Court nomination. This stuff's gotten life and death because we're dumping so much on the court because Congress just ain't handling their business by writing nice, focused, makes sense legislation that has the legal terminology clearly defined.
1: Yeah. And that is within their actual purview. And I would argue that this is not even the business of Congress. And so it's funny when senators like Senator Elizabeth Warren rail against Kroger, for example, and grocery store monopolies, when it's just clear, they don't, they don't either understand or they're choosing to, you know, to veil um, their true intentions about how the market works and how consumer preferences will naturally create really big businesses on some fronts until a consumer preference tidal wave changes that sentiment. Um, I know people have heard this example many times, but when we think about the digital landscape in the Yahoo and AOL and Juno and MySpace that were of times past versus where we're at now, and even the competitors that are starting to come to the stage, such as Shopify, which is now Amazon's chief competitor, Nothing stays the same for very long, and we know how slow the courts are, and it just doesn't make sense for Congress to try to create these technicalities um, that target just a narrowly defined group of businesses um, just because they're trying to basically wreak some punishment on them. It's very short-sighted, very reactionary. It's just to make them look like they're doing something, and it's actually going to hurt American consumers.
0: And let's talk about those consumers for a minute because you work for an advocacy org, a nonprofit org. Um, there's a huge disconnect and you know this because this is your job. You do comms for them, trying to get people to care about policy, trying to get people to care about the nuts and bolts of legislation because people just don't, they're busy. It's a lot of nomenclature. It's a lot of big words. Um, they don't have time for it, but I've found in, in what I've done and a lot of other people have, when it gets to consumer choice, this is actually a really good way to get normal people who aren't obsessed over the news cycle understanding, hey, this legislative process matters, politics matters, elections have consequences. It seems to me like these kind of consumer issues are a good way to engage those people who might be turned off by like the culture wars or the back and forth of the bipartisan divide and those sorts of things. This affects everybody. And it's a good way to get people that are disengaged in the government process reengaged again.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Uh, people, when when you mess with people's kids and you mess with their finances, they're going to have something to say about it. And I think that that's the most direct way is for them to feel these sorts of pains um, at the pump uh, in their kids' homework when they're looking at some of this, uh, the the, the things that their kids are learning at school. Um, But also in what they're paying for in everyday purchases, whether it's something from Amazon basics, medication, like these are the things that our polling has consistently revealed that consumers and voters care about. It's stuff that is affecting their families. It's nice to talk about and it's important to talk about some of the more nebulous items that are um, that are going to kind of like in second and third order of effects um, impact voters. But honestly, I think the best way to reach maybe a lot of the disaffected voters is through uh, direct uh, impact legislation such as this. And this would really, really hit home very soon for most people. And you think about it, I mean, Amazon was a godsend over the pandemic when people were just not sure where they where they could go, if they could go anywhere, if they were under lockdowns, if it was safe to go places. And it's just silly and absurd to think about uh, Congress trying to punish businesses solely because they are big or because they can develop some political clout for it.
0: Yeah, and you guys do polling. I know you you can keep a watch on these types of issues. Um, this is one of those things where tw- Twitter ain't real life because things on like Twitter and Facebook they get really loud about how evil Amazon is. Some of this policy stuff just comes down to the fact that Amazon's way more popular than Congress is. And yes. is it is it sometimes we just lose in our politics? We get so wrapped up in kind of the horse race and that part of the politics, we forget things like hey, there's a third of the country that doesn't even vote most elections and they love Amazon way more than they like politics. And then it just doesn't show up until we start addressing issues like this.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because there is a temptation for people that are in my world. And I I, I sure know it's a temptation for myself where if I look at what's happening and being said on Twitter, I think that that's somehow an accurate reflection of uh, the American people at large. And it simply is not. Uh, People care about... What is actually happening in their communities not what some wonky person said you know in some far off place in a very very long white paper and so what we what we need to remember is yeah to keep our fingers on the pulse of what everyday americans and voters are thinking about these issues and like i said repeatedly the polling indicates they care about what's happening in their at their kitchen tables in their children's classrooms at the pump at the grocery store and in their communities and so I don't know. I mean, these senators, they're they're promising a lot with this sort of legislation. And I think they're they're going to dig their own graves politically on this front if they continue pushing it.
0: Yeah. And it's amazing to me that this is a bipartisan thing. So once again, something you said earlier, uh, things when we get to consumer choice and government regulation, We're going to have to retool our own brains on how, you know, the political divide plays into that because it's a lot more than just the nomenclature of the parties. Uh, Brooke Medina, great stuff with this. The piece is in WNG.org. That's world news. Uh, Encourage you to read it. Let folks know what you've got going on and where they can follow you on social media and what you got coming up next.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so, actually, here at the John Locke Foundation, which is a North Carolina state based think tank and advocacy group, uh, we have our Carolina Liberty Conference. So, if you're in the Carolina area at all, if you go to lockclc.com, you can find more information about that. And so, we're super excited to host um, host a number of uh, speakers, and we're going to, I'm gonna actually going to moderate a panel on technology and policy. Um, so, that's February 25th and 26th. So we would love for you all to join us there. Um, But also just go to johnlock.org. You can see a lot of free market ideas that have been floated around at the state level, but also how it intersects with the federal level. Um, So that's an excellent resource for you. And I would love to connect with you guys on Twitter. So I am at Brooke underscore Medina underscore.
0: Yeah, she's a great follow. They do good work and she's been a good friend for a couple of years. So it's good to reconnect with you. And we hope to make you regular on the program because you're doing exactly what we do. Turn down the noise on the news cycle and get the good information. And this is great information that folks need. So thank you for your time today, ma'am.
1: Thank you for having me on. Appreciate you.